You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the July 2011 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be our host today. We're grateful you've joined us and we're going to jump in uh, to today's topic in just a minute. But before we do, there's a couple things, Perry, we need to announce. I want you to remind people of NLC coming up uh, in September, September the 8th, and seats are going fast. What do people need to know about that? Um, you just told them everything, really. Uh, seriously, seats are going fast. We've already um, had more people register this year so far than registered for the whole conference last year. It looks like we're on our way to another sellout. Um, the price is 129 to show up. The speakers for the day, I'm looking at the website right now, are Mark Driscoll. Stephen Furtick, who will also be doing interpretive dance that day. That's a lot. Craig Rochelle, quite possibly the best-looking pastor in America. Perry Noble, who has the ugliest picture on the website. (laughs) Judah Smith, who is the king of fashion. Andy Stanley, quite possibly the smartest man alive. And Judd Wilhite, who's just freaking cool. Um, Anyway, these are all great leaders who love Jesus, love the church, and actually have... Um, something to say. So uh, the price for the conference is 129 and that is until the end of the day, August 15th, and then it goes up to 159 So you want to get registered, you want to get registered really soon, and uh, it's just going to be a great, great day of leadership. Yeah, and just a reminder, we've already sold more tickets than we sold last year. This thing starts at 830. It'll be done by 6. All of what Perry mentioned will happen during oh, that time. Oh, you oh, do oh. not want to miss it. Yeah, and you get lunch, too. Like, lunch is oh, included. Yeah. Like, Chick-fil-A, too. Like, Christian chicken. You cannot beat it. That's true. Everybody that's not in the Southeast should come maybe just for the chicken sandwich. Yeah, I know I know people that live outside the South that pay $129 for a Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> so don't miss that. Another thing that's a new addition, something we have never done before, uh, coming up next spring, is a trip to Israel. Uh, and, and Perry, what, what do... What do our listeners, why would we even mention that uh, on the Leadership Podcast? I don't know. I'm well, just the, kidding. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no, seriously, we've had a lot of questions um, asked about, I'm not a member of New Spring Church, but I'm a pastor. I'm a church leader. Um, could, I, could I come? Could I bring a few people with me? And the answer is yes. Just go to newspring.cc backslash Israel, and all the information is there. And once again, if you register for that trip, by August 15th, um, there's a $250 discount. So um, all the information is there. won't take a ton of time to go into that, but it is going to be a great trip. And personally, I mean, because you were there with me, Shane, it took my it took my Bible reading to the next level. I yep. mean, it really did. It's amazing to read the Gospels and then go and see all the places. It's way more than just geography. So I'd oh encourage gosh. all of our listeners to uh, consider going, and I'm grateful that we're able to do this, not just in the confines of our church, but anybody who wants to join us on that trip, uh, you can uh, lead them over there. So with that uh, being said, let's jump into today's topic. Uh, Perry, you are a uh, fan, uh, a studier of the idea or the topic of leadership, and so am I. And one of the things that we see and hear often, whether it's at a conference we've gone to, on blogs that are posted, articles that are written, there seems to be this idea that a leader needs to be worried about who's with them, Mm -hmm. that they need to always be questioning uh, the group they've surrounded themselves with, because if they're not careful, 
they might get betrayed. Right. And so with that, today's topic is very simple. As a leader, how do I know who's with me? And so with that, I just want to jump in before we get into the specifics is I think it would be good for our listeners to hear, Perry, how you define leadership. Um, you know, the way I define leadership is leadership really is um, listening to God and doing what he says. Um, it, it really doesn't get any more simple than that. Listening to God and then, and then doing what he says. Now, listening to God is, of course, through his Holy Spirit and his word and his word and his spirit do not contradict. They complement one another. But leadership, leadership really is, hey, man, I'm going to listen to the Lord, and then I'm, I'm going to execute what he calls me to do. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm not here on my own. I'm, I mean, I'm just doing what the Father tells me to do. I mean, that's leadership right there. And I would arguably say that Jesus is the best leader that's ever lived. Yep. You wouldn't have to argue with me on that one. Good. Uh, well, the idea of listening to God, do what he says, uh, but let's put that in the context of leading people to do the same. Right. So in the context of, of your definition of leadership, what's the primary responsibility of a leader in general? And then I'm going to follow up that. What about the leader? Whether you're a in a leadership role and you have people who are responsible, you're responsible for, or you're the leader and you're responsible for everybody, such right. as somebody who's a senior pastor of a church. Uh, what's the primary responsibilities of someone in that position? Well, you know, I, I honestly think that a... You know, you listen to God and you do what He says. But I don't want people to walk away with the notion that that's a Moses thing. Like Moses goes to the top of the mountain and everybody is at the bottom of the mountain and they're in awe and there's lightning and thunder and the pastor comes down and goes, "Thus saith the Lord," and everybody's like, "Oh." I mean, um, one of the things that I try to do, um, and I've tried to do for years now, is is when when I feel like I've heard something from the Lord. I think that I think the primary responsibility of the leader is to come into a room with some really godly men and women, um, his leadership team or her leadership team or whatever, and to come in and begin to say, "Hey, man, this is the direction that I think we're going," and actually um, lead people through it versus drive them through it, hmm. because a leader leads. Okay, if you can't lead, you drive people. And driven people will eventually drop out on you. And you you could portray them as disloyal. And the reason they're actually, quote, disloyal, unquote, in your mind is because um, you drove them. You did not lead them. Leadership takes more time than driving people. Because if I walk into a room and say, thus saith the Lord, um, you know, 80 times a week, pretty soon people are going to be like, dude, I don't really think you read the Bible that much. But if I will walk people through, if I allow people to ask questions, if I receive the information they're given to me, if I help them process through it, then I lead them rather than drive them. That That's the goal. That That's the main responsibility of a leader. It's like, hey, I've got this vision. I've got this direction that I believe that God wants us to take. Let me lead people through this instead of going, no, you're going to do this, and if you don't, I'm going to fire you. Mm-hmm. That's that's not leadership. Um, well, along those same lines, I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, betrayal. Uh, and, and I just had this thought as I was writing down these questions that, that Jesus himself, who you stated earlier, the greatest leader ever lived, was betrayed. Yes. Uh, so it would be naive as a leader now to think that we would be immune to that. Yep. Um, so how does that reality, the fact that at some point you probably will be, quote, unquote, betrayed 
or, or even just a minor port, a minor level that let down yep. by someone you're leading? How should that affect how you lead? Well, I think one of the greatest enemies that a leader can face is um, this thing I call irrational fear. And uh, I'm hearing a lot today in the leadership circles which say, you better press into your staff. You better see who's with you. You better press into your staff. You better see who's with you. You better press into your staff. And I'm going, um, I don't really have time to start going around and pressing into my staff and seeing who's with me. I'm going to declare where we're going. I'm going to have necessary conversations. I'm going to try to lead through it. And you know what? Who's with you is ultimately going to become obvious. You, you go back. One of the things that Rick Warren said is whenever he has a question about leadership, he just tries to go back to the Gospels and lead like Jesus, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I don't see Jesus ever being paranoid about who's with him. I don't see him pressing into everybody. In fact, I see him literally declaring, one of you is against me. He said it toward the end of his ministry, and then he still washed the feet mm-hmm. of the man that he knew was ultimately going to betray him. And, by the way, every pastor fears betrayal. Every leader fears betrayal. But let me ask this question. Did betrayal hurt Jesus, or did it, did it propel him to the place that God wanted him to ultimately be? Without the betrayal of Judas, we don't have the cross. And without the cross, we don't have the resurrection. And without the resurrection, we don't have the ascension to the right hand of the Father. So I would say that God used the betrayal of one of Jesus' staff members to actually propel him to a greater place in life. So if you get betrayed by someone, hey, you know what? God has already proved through his son that he can use anything, even a a hurtful betrayal in ministry, to propel you to a greater place in life. You know, what I heard in, in part of that answer was this, that Jesus didn't let the truth of a betrayal distract him from the vision he was called to. Absolutely not. And so uh, my question to you then is how easy is it for a leader to be distracted from the very vision they've been called to and shift their focus to whether or not or even if they are being betrayed? Okay, well, okay, okay. So so we have like 120 staff members, and, um, and so this is going to be more obvious in a church our size, but it was true when I had two staff members. Um, every leader needs to understand that everyone on his staff does not agree with him 100% on everything that he says. It, it, they just don't I'm, because they're humans, and they, they'll, they, want, they, they love the guy, they want to support him, but there are things that a leader says that goes that other people will go, man, I'm, I'm not sure I completely buy that. Now they don't become vocal about it. They don't, you know, they don't put it on Facebook. Uh, my leader is a moron. They don't, they don't do that. But at the end of the day, that's okay. That's okay as long as that does not go public. As long as staff members aren't, you know, putting on Facebook, my pastor is stupid and he preached the dumbest <laughs> sermon in the world today. I mean, there needs to be an environment behind closed doors where people can say whatever they want to say to other people. I mean, you, you and I both know you can say whatever you want to say behind closed doors outside these walls. We're going to, we're going to publicly support and encourage one another. Um, and, and, and so I would say that that environment needs to exist. But one of the things a leader's got to understand is it's not his job 
It's not her job to make everyone agree with them 100% of the time. If you think that's your job as a leader, then you are either, number one, prideful because you think you know everything. And we all know that pride, pride, pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. So it's not like one of the good sins, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then, or you're insecure. And there is nothing more damaging in the kingdom of God than insecure leaders that try to drive people to think and act just like them. Yeah, the don't you feel like some leaders define their ability and or authority by the fact that they can have everybody just agreeing with what they say? Yes. And what's what's the problem with that? Um, pride and insecurity. I go back to pride and insecurity every time. It's like, look, I can whip these people into shape. Um, well, I don't. I don't think that's the goal. Do you even really need a team if that's what you want? No, you just need robots. Yeah. You, you need. You need. You can create little stormtroopers like they did in Star Wars, and you can have them run. And and some some pastors, that's what they have. They they basically have stormtroopers that run around. Yes, sir, boss. Yes, sir, boss. No, sir. Mm-hmm. And and then the pastor will define that as loyalty. Mm-hmm. When loyalty is not. Um, and I think I mentioned this before. Hey, the emperor has no clothes on, but let's not tell him he's naked because if somebody tells him he's naked, they're going to get fired. You know, that that's not loyalty. Loyalty is behind closed doors. We go, hey, bro, I see what you're saying. I appreciate everything. you. I, I just have some problems with what you said. Can I talk about these things with you? That is that is the way it should be approached every single time because I, I don't perceive somebody coming to me like that as disloyal. Mm-hmm. I perceive that as extreme loyalty because you're going to come to me in a private setting and talk about the issues that you really feel are on your heart. That's loyalty, and, and I think God honors that. You know, one of the things, Perry, you challenge uh, the guys on your leadership team with and even uh, just staff wide, you, you you expect us to love Jesus, uh, love New Spring Church before we love you. Yes, in that order. Yes, and I think that's a testimony to the fact that that you want to make sure that we're answering the authorities that are even above you before we get to you. Yep. Um, why would some leaders fear putting that challenge out in front of their staff? Uh, pride and insecurity. I know I keep coming back to that one, but listen, you know I. That's the thing. That's the thing I teach often, and let me say that for every leader listening, um, what Shane just said. The first challenge that I offer to anybody on my leadership team is to love Jesus. Um, Jesus said the most important command was to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, man, I want you guys doing that. I want I want the the men and women around me um, in God's Word, um, in God's presence, studying, learning, growing, developing. Um, and, and people ask me, what kind of program do you have? That for I, I don't have a program. I, I really don't. They're leaders. If you have to have a program, then they're not leaders. They're followers. So leaders figure out how to develop themselves. And so now I do hand out books and stuff like that, but I can't make, can't make people read them. So anyway, so love Jesus. Um, second is I need the people around me to love the church. And because here's reality. Man, I'm going to die one day. Like, I'm going to die, and I could die before any of y'all, and when I die, if you love me more than the church, then all of y'all quit, and all of y'all run, and, and, and then the, I mean, oh my gosh, I don't need that. So mm-hmm. I need you loving the church because Jesus loves the church. And, and third, I need you to love me because if somebody doesn't, if, if a leader has people around him that, that do not love him, I mean genuinely love him, um, he's going to be in trouble because there's going to come a day where the battle is going to happen 
A fight is going to develop, and he has to have people to stand back-to-back with him rather than, rather than stab him in the back. Mm-hmm. So, um, But that is the order. you got to love Jesus, love the church, and love the leader. Because if you love the leader before you love Jesus, then you have placed that leader as your Messiah and, and th- that leader as your idol that leader as your source of income, that leader as um, your strength, that leader as your shield, and ultimately, compared to Jesus, that leader sucks, no matter who that leader is. So um, if you place, I love um, the leader before I love the church, then um, then it, the attitude becomes, screw the church. I don't care if the church gets screwed as long as my leader's okay. And you can't have that either. It's got to be, man, I love Jesus. And I'm a follower of Jesus. Then I love the church, and then I love the leader. And it's you, you got to have all three. You got to have all three, but they've got to be in that order. What is the probable consequence to the church, to the congregation, to your staff, if you are a leader that leads via fear and insecurity? Um, you're you're going to look back over the history of your ministry and see a lot of destroyed lives. Because if, if a leader, here's what I've seen in, in just 20 years in church world, Shane. If a leader leads through fear and insecurity, they're ultimately at some point going to feel the need to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. And they will prove themselves by bullying and pushing around their staff. And um, that, that doesn't work long term. Um, you can look in the wake of your leadership. And if you see destroyed lives, you didn't leave, lead people, you drove them. And um, you, some, some drove, you drove them completely out of ministry. And, and so I, I would say that that's an ultimate consequence of, of that. You know, one of the things I've heard you say, Perry, is that uh, New Spring Church, you in particular, our leadership structure uh, and philosophy, one of the tenets of that is that we are going to be way more concerned about how people are doing than what they're doing. Yep. Uh, how has that become impossible for a leader who leads out of fear and insecurity? Well, if you lead out of fear and insecurity, then the staff become your pawns. And so, I mean, you know, I've seen for years um, leaders uh, at conferences and, you know, on YouTube or hear them on podcasts. And they talk about, you know, the senior pastor needs to take breaks, the senior pastor needs to rest, the senior pastor needs to catch his breath. Man, I agree with all that. I mean, you know that, I mean, we, we, could, do a, we could do a whole podcast on that. Um, but that's not just the senior pastor. Like, if you're a senior pastor and you're coming up with um, video ideas every Thursday and you say, hey, man, I, I can come up with a video idea on Thursday and we can run it Sunday. Awesome. You're freaking killing your video guys, bro, because for a five-minute video, for a five-minute video of good quality, I mean, you know, you lead that area. That's what, 25 hours at least? Oh, I'd say, Perry, you're looking probably more like two weeks worth. Okay. Finished video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so what you've just done to your video guy on or your video team on Thursday afternoon is you literally ruined their weekend. You took away their Thursday night with their family. You took away their Friday night with their family. You most likely made them work on Saturday to get a finished video that, so you could look good at a conference saying, well, my team will do anything I tell them to do anytime I do it. Well, that's because you don't love Jesus enough and you don't love your people enough to plan ahead. That's the problem. It's not my team will do anything. I And, and you know what? There's exceptions to that rule because one of the things I try to do for the people I serve with, because I want, I mean, you were at a leadership retreat this year 
We started out the year, and I said, one of my dreams is for all of us to finish together, for me not to fry you guys out, for me not to get fried out by the church, for all of us to finish together. And I don't, I don't accomplish that by driving you guys. Now, there are exceptions to the rule. For example, this Easter, this past Easter, we changed everything at the last minute. We changed everything. People had to put in extra time. People had to put in extra energy. There was a lot of scurrying. But at the end of the day, we knew it's what God wanted. We pulled it off. Hundreds of people met Christ. And once again, we got right back into the groove, right back into the schedule. Because if I've got a video department full of men and women that can't spend time with their families, that can't love, that don't have any time to break open the Bible, I don't see that as a win. I don't see that as a win in the music ministry. I don't see that as a win in the children's ministry. I don't see it as a win if a leader's staff is constantly frying out. Now, I want to go back again. That is not an excuse because some people are like, I'm burnt out. And I'm like, dude, you've never been on fire. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for you to be burnt out. <laughs> there's no way you could be burnt out. There's no life in you. There are times when the work has to get done. There are seasons where you have there it's the fourth quarter, you're down by, you know, four points and you gotta have a touchdown because a field goal just won't do it. There are those times in ministry. Um and we all chip in and we all get it done. But then there are times when you gotta be like, man, I, I that that guy needs to spend some time with his family. That night I, I care more about the person than what they're called to do. Because here's what I've discovered. If you will care about the person and that person is in love with Jesus and they have margin, not only will they do what God's called them to do, they'll do it better, they'll do it more effective, and they'll wind up benefiting the church a whole lot more. So good. What, what we've seen, Perry, is that in that dynamic, not being, not leading, I'm sorry, not driving through fear and insecurity, but leading well, creating margin, not being scared of betrayal and, and defining loyalty by your ability to overwork and fry yourself that what we've seen is we have unleashed the gifts of our people as yep. opposed to squelch them when we don't give them any time to actually use what God's given them. And I, I'm all about loyalty. I'm all about loyalty. I'm all about honor. I mean, one of the, I mean I'm all about honor in, in the church. One of the things, um, uh, me and some of my friends in the ministry, we, you know, bringing honor back, because pastors are very dishonored in America today. I will, say, I will, I will acknowledge that, that pastors are dishonored but honor is a two-way street and i feel like i honestly feel like the best way to receive honor is to give honor so as as i give honor to this staff i feel like i'm a better i, I feel like i'm better positioned to receive honor and um so i'm all about it man i'm all about i don't i, I don't think uh staff members should take their disagreements with their pastors public I think that's wrong I think it's sinful um, if they haven't talked to their pastor about it I don't think a, pa- a staff member should tweet um, bad or negative things about their pastor I don't think they should Facebook negative bad or negative things I think that's dishonoring I think it is disloyal I think it needs to be called sinful I think it needs to be called out because um, that's what I call passive aggressive um, but once again, I'm going to go back to the honor and the loyalty thing. I do believe a pastor needs to create an atmosphere where he can be talked to, he can be confronted. When necessary, he can be rebuked mm-hmm. by godly men and godly women. Um, I call that honor and I call that loyalty when it happens in a secure environment behind closed doors. Because, Shane, and this is something that it just bothers the 
it just bothers the piss out of me when I see this. Um, you, you hear leaders say today, um, well, a, a pastor can't be among his people. Um, it, it's it, like a pastor can't be among his staff. Like one of the things that people are blown away by when they come in here is that I'm um, best friends with our leadership team. Like that's who I hang out with. That's who I go to the lake with. That's who I do. That's who I hang with. I mean, I hang with you guys. And people are like, well, I just don't think you can lead them effectively. I think you need to be a level above them. I think you need to isolate yourself from them. And, and I'm going, okay, um, where did Jesus ever do that? Like Jesus had 12 guys that he poured his life into. He was always with it. I mean, and like when he wasn't with 12, he was with three, mm-hmm. you know, and he was like, oh, you know, hey, come up this mountain with me. Hey, watch me turn, you know, incredibly white. Hey, here's Moses and Elijah. Bet you've never seen that before. I mean, all this unbelievable stuff. And then when Jesus left, they took the ministry on because he poured into them. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul didn't do that. He's hanging with people in their houses. He's, I mean, he is, he preached one night so long that a guy fell out the window and died. I mean, yeah. but he's in the house with the people. I would say one of the reasons that a leader usually doesn't want to hang out with the staff is because that leader somewhere deep in his heart has a fear that something about him or her is going to be discovered, confronted, and he's quite possibly going to be rebuked mm-hmm. if he lets the people who works with like if the people who work with me ultimately get to know me, then they'll never work with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if you've got that attitude, probably need to question whether you need to be in the ministry in the first place. So true. If I'm not mistaken, I think Jesus even called his disciples his friends. Yes. And he postured himself not to be served, but what he came to serve. Yes. And so as a leader, if we're to mimic that, uh, it's what you're calling us to. You can't lead out of fear and security. No. You, I mean, I think the reason that I can lead with boldness, the reason I can lead with confidence, the reason I can lead with security is because I literally have my friends with me at the table. And we like being at the table. Well, good. <laughs> I think it's, I'm, we're actually it's at fun. a table right It's now. the best of all, all the worlds. Um, let, let's uh, real quickly talk about um, your maturity process in the role of senior leader. Yes. And when I say that, what I mean is, I mean, this idea of, of team members letting you down or even to the extent of a, of a betrayal – um, early in your ministry, how uh, would you or how did you deal with that? And what have you learned over the years uh, as far as all the things you've talked about now to shift from a fear of man, confidence in your own ability, as opposed to focus on Jesus, doing what he's called you to do, and trusting him with these situations? Or has there been that mature process? You know, you know betrayal sucks. It really does. It hurts. When you get betrayed, I, um, I think David said in one of the Psalms, and I don't even know which one it is right now, but David said, hey, man, I was betrayed mm-hmm. and I was abused. And he was like, if it had been an enemy that had done it, man, I could I can handle that. But it was a friend. I mean, you know, and I'm like, you know, some random Internet person, some Twitter guy, some somebody taking a shot like that, you know, that's one thing. But being betrayed by someone, it physically hurts. It emotionally hurts. It spiritually hurts. Um, you were with me um, in 2005. In, in fact, I've never told the story, but Shane, you could you could validate this. Lucretia and I went on vacation 
and um, we were in Hawaii suffering for the Lord. And uh, I came back from that vacation, and I, I had the entire leadership team. There were eight of you guys in the room. And I said in that meeting, I said, the Lord revealed to me on this trip that somebody is, is about, to, um, somebody's about to, to betray me and betray this church. I said that in the room. Yep. And I said, and I said, I don't know which one of you it is. And if there's something on your mind, I want you to come and talk to me and let's chat about it. And that's all I ever said about it. That's yep. all I ever said about it. And you can validate that. And it wasn't, um, see, that was in May. So mm-hmm. June, July, it, it was August. Yep. It happened. And it was, August of 2005 was brutal. And I'm not going to go into the details because they're not really I- important. I will just say I know betrayal. I've had sleepless nights. We've had meetings till 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. We've cried together. We've um, we've prayed together, and it hurt. But obviously, just like Judas betraying Jesus, um, it propelled our church to a greater state of ministry, and it really did shape me as a leader. And I'll be honest with you, and, and you know this as well, I was quite paranoid um, for about a year or so after that, that that could happen again. But at the end of the day, um, I've got to believe that that God, I'm doing what God called me to do. Um, and there's going to be people all throughout this ministry that are that are going to go their own way or that's going to do their own thing. And you know what? Ultimately, I just have to pray that the kingdom wins and that we're going to continue to press forward uh, because it, it does hurt, but, you know, what does scripture say? God can use all things for his glory and our good That's right. if we love him. Um, Perry, how do you know nowadays, how do you know someone's with you? Well, see, here's the funny thing. If someone's, and I'm getting ready to say this in our staff meeting. We got a, we got a staff meeting coming up. Um, I'm getting ready to tell the staff, quit telling me you're with me. Mm-hmm. Because what I've personally discovered is staff members um, will tell you that they're with you until you make a decision that impacts them in a way that they don't think they should be impacted, and then they question you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I, I, I know that. I've, I've seen that firsthand. Um, you know that somebody's with you if they will talk to you behind the scenes, if they'll, you know, if they, you know, they'll come, they'll have the conversations. But when we walk out, when we walk out of that door, we're going to walk out unified. We're going to walk out together because I've at least expressed my view. I've at least expressed my point. And hey, you know what? If I need to change something as the leader, I'll change. You know somebody's with you. I would say this. You know somebody's with you when you can look back over your journey and they've been with you. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like five years, six years, ten. Like Lee McDermott on staff. He's been with me since 2000. Okay, I know that guy's with me because we've, we've came through some – mountains and we've gone through some valleys together but ultimately he's with me you know why not because he sends me letters going i'm with you and by the way (laughs) that dude does text me like all the time going i love you i'm with you i read this verse i thought about you i'm praying for you but you know somebody's with you when you can look back over a long period of time and they've been with you that's how you know they're with you it's not through their declaration 
it, it's through their life. Yeah, it's, it's actions. I love how you said through the mountains and the valleys, and the reality is that none of us want to be judged on our worst day. No. Right? And so if you judged the people who follow you on their worst day and there wasn't this history to look back or you trust the way you built your team, then you could be ebbing and flowing all the time worried about who may be with you. Well, what's funny is the last three staff members that sent me emails telling me how much they love me, they love the church, and they're with me, None of them are here anymore. Like, I'm not even making that up. Like, they're just not on staff anymore. And and it's because they chose to leave. Because mm-hmm. they, I mean, I'm like, I'm. so I think a lot of staff members, honestly, they begin to tell the pastor how much they're with him because they feel like they're trying to convince themselves. They're not because they're trying to convince the pastor. And so um, if you've got somebody as a leader coming to you about every month telling you they're with you, yeah, like, have a conversation with that person. I'm just, I'm not trying to cre- create paranoia. I'm just saying, why do they keep, telling me that it's kind of like if, if i had somebody coming up to me once a month telling me that you're not fat hey man you're not fat i'd be mm-hmm. like dude i think i'm fat i mean i i just I, that that would worry me a little bit because i didn't ask i didn't ask do you think i'm fat it's like hey you're fat so um sorry I just, that's okay you're word, not you're not fat man. i'm thanks man <laughs> i kind of I'm, i mean i'm feeling a little chubby around the yeah. sides but we're gonna work on that um p90x so let me ask you this how do you or do you feel like you put pressure on your staff to prove they're with you um yes and no uh you put pressure on your staff by declaring the vision and saying this is where we're going and you know what they're either in or they're not and and strong vision is all the pressure a leader needs to press into his staff Mm -hmm. that's all a leader needs hey this is where we're going this is what we're doing this is how we're going to get there are you with me um that's all the pressure a staff needs. I mean, one of the things I just don't want to be is a paranoid leader because the paranoid leader is always running behind a staff, always saying, are you with me? The, the paranoid leader has people on staff that spy on his staff. <laughs> it's like I've heard leaders going, I, I, check my, I check my staff member's Facebook. Okay, I don't even Facebook. I check my staff member's Twitter, which that sounds weird anyway. But I, I, I don't even follow all my staff on Twitter. I don't I don't have to listen, if you've got to run behind your staff and babysit them all the time, you don't you don't have the right staff. You you let them you let them go. I mean let them let no no like not don't go fire them. I mean let them go. Let them do ministry. And you know what? If it's not getting done, it will become obvious. Yep. And and a, you won't have to fire them. They'll fire themselves. So true. Um you know, John Maxwell says everything rises and falls on leadership. Actually, he says Everything rises and falls on leadership. I have a book in the Resource Center on that very subject. If you'd like to buy, anyway, I'm That's sorry. That's pretty good. That you, is good. You should give me ten bucks for setting you up. John like that. Maxwell. I like if, like, I think he kind of sounds like God might sound when we get to heaven. It's He's got possible. the God voice. Him, James Earl Jones, or you know, Ooh, somewhere in there. Yep. Zimba. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so if that principle is true, and I, w- I would say that it is then if you have an atmosphere in your organization or in your church that's full of fear and insecurity or worry over your team then wouldn't that be not a not to wouldn't that cause you not to question the team but the leader yes listen if if i walk into a church and every staff member is scared you know what i'm saying like they're scared, that's not good leadership. Um, here's what I would say. 
if you walked up to James and John and Peter, they weren't scared. They were in awe of Jesus, and I, that's what I want us all to be, in awe of Jesus, mm-hmm. but they weren't scared. Now, um, Hitler's team was scared. <laughs> yeah. Like like Hitler, or maybe Attila the Hun, maybe those guys, maybe those guys were a little scared because if you don't do what they tell you to do, they just, I mean, they just kill you, mm-hmm. which is the, listen, that's the environment in some churches today. I'm scared to death to, to, to do anything or t- because I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. I've had staff members at, at places tell me, yeah, if I do that, I get fired. Yeah, if I do that, I get fired. And I'm like, what the, if, if there is an atmosphere of fear on a staff, I don't think that's a win. Now, let me stop and say there are some people, they're just always scared no matter yep. what. They're just they're always scared. They're they're just scared, and you can't do anything about it. And oh my gosh, and you know whatever. But as as a whole, if, if there's not a freedom on the staff, they, they, I call it's the freedom and fear. If there's freedom on staff, then you know you've done a good job creating a leadership culture. But if everybody is scared to death that at any moment you're gonna blow up, start screaming and yelling, and, and start firing people, and that's not a win. That's just because once again you don't see Jesus doing that. You don't, you don't see Jesus going, no, 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 stupid. I told you to have them sit down in groups of 50. You got, like, you got 53 over here. Come here, moron. I'm sending you to hell. Like, you don't see Jesus doing that. You, you, you see Jesus leading um, by example through influence, through relationships, um, and caring more about who the people were becoming than what they were doing. Hmm. That's good. Wouldn't you say, Perry, that a more important question for a leader to ask than who's with me? is who am I with? Yep. And why is that? Well, because if you are for your staff, if your here's the deal. If your staff knows, number one, I really believe that guy loves Jesus and he listens to his voice. I mean, that, they got to know that. They, they got to know that. Um, and the only way that that's um, known is over a period of time, they see the fact that you listen to God you respond. They see you repent of sin because if you're listening to God, you're going to be repenting of some sin personally. Um, they see you say, hey, man, this is what I think God wants us to do, and then you go that direction, and then something great happens. Um, the, over a period of time, they see you um, lead by a positive example. Um, second of all, they got to know that you love the church because a lot of leaders um, in the church world today, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, they don't love the church. They're using the church to propel their own ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, God help them be- because the last I checked, our personal ministries are going to fall one day. Right. Um, PerryNoble.com is so insignificant when it comes to the grand scheme of eternity. Um, it, it, that website one day will not exist anymore. Um, and, and, and so what, my name is not what's important. But there are some leaders, they literally overlook their entire church so they can have their national ministry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I, I, would, I would say that, that if you don't love your church, you're doing God and those people a disservice by um, getting your paycheck every week or month. So you gotta love Jesus, you gotta love the church, and then the, the team needs to know, you know what, I love I love these people, I love you. Mm-hmm. Because if a team knows that a leader loves Jesus, loves the church, and then really does love and care about them, well, they'll also, well what did the disciples do for Jesus? 
They all were martyred right. except for John, and he got boiled in oil, which my attitude is, please kill me now. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to get boiled in oil. So I, the, if they know, if they know that, man, they'll, they'll follow you. They really will follow you. But once again, that's not on them. It's on the leader to create that type of environment. And even if he does that, the perfect environment, he's going to get betrayed. Listen, God created the perfect environment in the Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve betrayed him. It's going to happen. Somebody is going to sell out on you. Somebody's going to say false things against you. Somebody's going to accuse you of things you did not do or did not say, or they're going to twist your words. It's going to happen. They did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to you. You know what? The Bible says you continue to press into what the Lord wants you to do. You put them in the Lord's hands. If they're wrong, the Lord will handle them. If you're wrong, the Lord will handle you. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not my job to poke my head and my staff member's office going, hey, are you with me? Mm-hmm. If you're with me right now, do 20 sit-ups. Come on. <laughs> Come on. If you don't do 20 sit-ups right now, you're not with me. You're not with me. Come on. Do 20 sit-ups. Do, do, do 20 sit-ups right now. I mean... It, it we laugh at that, but it really is that it really is that silly in some church environments. And man, I just I just don't think that's healthy for the church overall. I agree, Perry. You know, the one thing I can say about you, and I think this permeates through our whole staff, is it's so easy for me to follow you because you set a great example. It would not be easy for me to follow you if all you did was try to inspect the work I was producing. You set a uh, pace and a standard that I want to live up to as opposed to creating fear in me because I might not create or do something exactly the way you wanted it. And I think that's the dynamic tension that exists in so many places. You have leaders who buy into the theory that people don't do what you expect, they do what you inspect, Right. when the reality is people do what they see you doing. Yeah. You know who really helped me with this is um, Craig Rochelle. And I was talking to Craig one time because the Lord's had to really develop me in this area. And Craig told me, he said, nobody's ever going to do anything 100% of the way you would want it done. He said, if you find somebody that can do it about 80% of that way and the other 20% is what they wanted, you got to let them go. And so at the end of the day, I don't know Jack Crabtree about (laughs) video editing, about children's curriculum, about the culture of teenagers, about musical arrangements about now I've got suggestions and sometimes I do go no I really do want this mm-hmm. and when I do say that it does happen because what would you say Shane you're, you're the one most effective about 10% of the time I'll come in and go man I really do believe this is the direction we need to go but I'm understanding you know what if I'll let the if I will let creative people be creative if I will let leaders lead if I will let people do this stuff and they're not worried about me popping my head in their office going, hey, man, I need to see that video. I need to see that video right now. You know what? Man, there's a lot more freedom. There, if you've got paranoid staff members, you're not getting the best results. No. Yep, that's really good, Perry. I know we've gone long on today's podcast. I appreciate everybody listening on this important uh, subject, Perry. But before we check out, I just want to give you one more opportunity to share anything you want in regards to this topic. Anything else you want to share with our listeners? I would just reiterate some of the things I said. Number one, if you're in ministry long enough, somebody's going to betray you. It is going to hurt. Stop saying, oh, it doesn't bother me. No, it bothers you because if it didn't bother you, you wouldn't be talking about how it doesn't bother you. So it bothers you. Um, It is going to hurt, but Jesus was betrayed, and God used it to propel him to a pretty incredible state. Um, I would say 
that God can use and does use those times in a leader's life um, to shape him, to mold him, to teach him, to humble him. Mm-hmm. I mean, 2005 was incredibly humbling for me, and it was a great thing to be humbled under the hand of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, would, I would say that you're going to be betrayed, but you can't let it affect your relationships on staff. Listen, if you listen outside of work, if you if you don't hang out with the people on your staff outside of work, then you got the wrong people on your staff. Because man, we're called to do ministry with the people that we love. On listen, especially Sunday through Thursday, I spend more time with my staff than I do with my family. So you're you're caught. You got to work with people you love, and if you're scared of relationships, then most likely. You're scared of something being discovered in you, and that's it. Probably even a deeper problem for a uh, for another podcast. Well, that's a good word. We uh, Perry and I agree uh, that uh, leadership is important, and we're grateful that you would give us your time uh, to try to grow as a leader uh, as we do the same. So we'll see you guys next month. Bye.